Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, for bringing us to this place. Lord, we pray that uh, your spirit will be with us today. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Brian, come on up here and join me. Brian is the head of our uh, building committee, and he's doing a fabulous job in this role. But what I want to warn you is he's about to tell you we're about to have some major disruptions on our farm. And what do I mean farm? I mean us, this place, this church. We're going to talk a little more about that as we go along. But, uh, Brian, what is it you're about to do to us? Well, as I look out here at this room today, it fills me with a bit of a trepidation here. A little here. trepidation <laughs> today, <laughs> just, yes. Just a little bit. So you've all seen construction going on outside. And so that construction is now about to come inside. Uh, and as I looked out, it's, it's going to be a fun challenge for us. And we're going to all work together to get through this. And what we want to do is make sure you are up to speed on what's happening uh, so that you're able to anticipate what's coming up week to week. So we have some diagrams that are going to come up on the, the screens here in just a moment. They're a bit small, I've been told. Uh, so the pertinent diagrams as we go through each phase will be showing up in both of the lobbies. So please go also look at those. Uh, I think we probably could get those on the website as well. It might be nice. So if you can't see these up here, that is okay. You're not the only one. But at least it gives you a general idea. So what I want you to know is things, are, as we said, are about to come inside. And on, starting on February 22, uh, we're calling this phase one of the interior part of this project. And here's what's going to happen. The people sitting on the back two to three pew, rows of pews in this uh, sanctuary, those pews are going to be going away. If, for those of you on the lower level, if you turn around and look, we've got a wall at the back of this lower level, and there's these tall strip windows in there that are, have glass in them. Behind that is an interconnecting lobby that connects the west lobby from the east lobby. So if, you know, if you've seen the plans that are going to be coming up and what we're going to do here, that connecting lobby is actually going to become part of this sanctuary. So there will be openings through that wall. The wall will still be there but it, because it supports the balcony, which is also very important. And so we want that wall to stay there, uh, but we're going to op- create larger openings in it, and it'll be a kind of a place to come in, be at the back of the sanctuary as you're quietly deciding where you're going to sit and come up. So that lobby, we've got to start working on that wall. So we're taking out the back through rows of pews, and then once you're in that lobby, there will be a construction wall put up to encapsulate those windows and that wall work that will start. So that starts here in just a couple weeks. Then the 1st of March uh, is when things get really interesting. We're going to be closing off that entire back lobby uh, for three weeks or two Sabbaths. So it gives the contractor uh, more, the ability to work more heavily in there without having to clean up and be ready for Sabbath each week. So what's going to happen is that we are going to be stopping the ability to walk from one side of the church to the other side of the lobby through that. So the important thing is obviously you're wondering, especially if you have children, how are you getting from kids on that side and adults on this side? And the path is going to be between church services. There's a bit of time between each of the services. You can actually come through that back door, walk along through the back couple rows of pews, and we'll try to keep those open during that time, then back out the other door. Obviously, that's not going to work during a church service. So when church is in service, the path will be around the front of the church on the sidewalk, and you'll come in over here by the door at the, uh, by the choir room. So that is going to be for two Sabbaths. It will be a bit of a challenge, but we can... We will work through this. Uh, so then, uh, also during this time, the more, the, one of the real critical things to talk about is that the balcony will be closing. For those <laughs> of you who like to be in the balcony, we're going to get to see, you're going to be a little bit closer to the people you love down here. Uh, and that is going to go on for probably about four months. So, 
<laughs> this is also another opportunity to possibly be checking out first and second first service. First and second, yeah. There are some other services that have plenty of room. Uh, and this week of all weeks, we're, we're a little tight today. So it's going to be, we're going to work with to, together to get through this. So the, the, the AV team will continue to be able to go up into the balcony, but they'll be the only ones accessing the, the balcony. So that is going to be that, the, the, fourth, the third phase. We move into the fourth Hang on, I'm getting ahead of my phases here. Then, uh, toward the end of March, we're actually going to be able to create a bit of a passageway through that lobby again so that you can connect the two lobbies. So that when we're walking around the front, that will only be for two Sabbaths. After that, for another month, then you'll be able to get through that lobby, but it's just going to be a very narrow passageway, but at least we can uh, to get through the, in that area. Then in April, the next thing that happens is you'll still be able to get through that area we're going to lose the upstairs bathrooms in the children's wing. So the thought is that you really want to probably go to the bathroom before you come to church. That will help. Now, <laughs> the bathrooms downstairs will be open. The uh, family handicapped bathroom on this side will be open. And the bathrooms in the other wing on this side will be open. And we'll have the church office bathrooms open as well. So there will be bathrooms. But obviously that's something that uh, people are going to want to uh, pay attention to. Then after that in early July we will pretty much start opening things up again. There will be miscellaneous uh, construction going on in different areas more heavily during the week, but on Sabbaths in July, we're gonna start having some more breathing room. We'll have the balcony back open. Um, and so the, it should be open by that time. Uh, and then what we'll do is about the middle of July, construction will be complete, and then we'll start doing some things about moving some furniture in and, and equipment, uh, and hopefully be open at the start of August. So that is our goal. Uh, I ask each of you to continue to enjoy the people you love around you and <laughs> welcome them a little closer. We'll slide in, get to church a little early, and uh, we will get through this together. So thank you very much. All right. All right, let's give Brian a hand for the good work he's doing. It's amazing to have somebody like that to, uh, to be the lead of our building committee, and he's working with Pastor Roger a lot and uh, keeping everything moving and going. The, the construction's going extremely well. Uh, everything's on schedule, and uh, it, it should all be ready to go um, come the 1st of August. We'll, we'll, it'll be a new day here when that day comes. You, you probably haven't had a chance to be in that new space, the new lobby space, but it's an amazing place. I mean, it's just so open, and, and it's such a different feel from what we've known in our lobby spaces, not to mention everything going on with the children's building. So, so the work goes on, everything is going extremely well, but as you can clearly see, there's going to be some disruption on the farm. We've, we got used to the parking thing, didn't we? At first that seemed like an impossible thing, but we kind of got used to that. We're used to coming in different ways. We're going to get used to it, but it's going to be tough for a little while. So uh, hang in there, a little, little bit of growing pains here down on the farm. So, by the way, I'm pleased to see Bill Kilgore is here today. Nice to see you, Bill, and, and family, and mother-in-law, and lovely wife, and, and my mother-in-law is here too as well, so glad that they're here. Um, he, he's a professor. You haven't retired yet, have you? You just retired. He's a retired professor at Southwestern Adventist University, and my, what are we? We're something-in-laws. Something in lines. All right, good to have him here. He's a wonderful guy. Had a lot of impact in a lot of lives. All right, so disruptions on the farm. What, why am I using the language the farm? Well, I'm saying that because of 
the passage of Scripture we've been in for the last four Sabbaths. Now, I told you I was going to do this really long sermon, and it really was going to last for four weeks, but, but we were going to break it up into four different Sabbaths. And the truth is I'm not really done yet, so it's, it's going to go two more weeks. So sorry about that. It's a really long one. But we've got uh, this Sabbath and next, we're still going to be jumping off of this Luke 15 passage. And you remember that the whole issue in this passage starts with aggravation. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They were frustrated because Jesus was spending time with what they thought was the wrong group. And Jesus would tell three stories to address them. The story of the lost sheep, the one that wandered away. The shepherd goes and seeks him out, brings him home. We told the lost sheep, you've got to stop that wandering. You've got to get a fence. You've got to stay with the flock. But that wasn't really the point of the story. The point of the story was that there is more rejoicing over the one returned than the 99 that never left. And then we told the story of the lost coin, of how the woman sweeps the house and searches. And we talked to the lost coins in the congregation, lost in the house, never really understanding that the church isn't, that the kingdom of God is not talk, it's about power through the Holy Spirit. And we told, we told the lost coins, get a clue, wake up, figure out what's going on around you. But that wasn't even the main point of that story. The main point of that story is there's more rejoicing amongst the angels over one than nine who don't need to be found. Then we got to the story of the prodigal son and we talked about the prodigal son and, and how the reality is when a prodigal goes away, you can't go and find them like a lost coin. You can't go and find them like a lost sheep. You have to wait because it's rebellion that's driven them away. And you wait and you pray. Some of you are prodigals who have come home. Some of you know prodigals right now that you're praying for. You wait. One day they come to their senses and they come home. And we told the prodigals, you need to get a life or at least you need to get a life worth living because the life, the road you're on is nothing but death and destruction. But that's not really what that story's about either because the story really is about the older brother. And we talked about the older brother last Sabbath who has the hard time welcoming back the younger brother who threw everything away. It isn't easy to be the church. Life on the farm can be difficult. Next Sabbath, we're going to talk about love on the farm. But today, I want to focus specifically on some of the practical realities of this farm, this church. Now, I think we've got some, some visitors with us today who were here as a result of the, the kindergartners being up here. So what I'm going to say today isn't necessarily specifically accurate to your situation. However, it is accurate in the context of your own home church. So what I'm saying today, I'm going to give some specific things related to this church, but these things are true where you are as well. So this will be useful as well for you. But so here we are, the practical reality of the farm where there are found sheep, okay? Some of you are found sheep. Where there are lost coins that are being woken up, where there are returned prodigal sons and daughters all seeking to reestablish themselves in this house filled with older brothers. 
older brothers who have reason to be aggravated at lost sheep, lost coins, and lost sons. But we remember at the very end of Luke 15, these words come from the Father. Luke 15, verse 31, My son, the Father said, You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So one of the things we said last Sabbath to you older brothers was, older brothers, the church belongs to you. It doesn't belong to the lost sheep because they're too irresponsible. Doesn't belong to the lost coins. They have no clue what's going on here. Doesn't belong to the prodigals. They left angry. They gave up their portion. The older brothers, you're the ones that stayed here. You're the ones that paid the bills. You're the ones that kept it going. This is your church. The question we asked last Sabbath is, what will you do with it? What will you use your church for? Now, last Sabbath, I suggested that the church has three primary purposes in the context of what we're talking about here that that goes along with these stories, I think, really well. And that is... Number one, number one purpose is to keep us focused on Jesus. So the reason you come here on a weekly basis, the reason we do the kinds of things we do, the reason we encourage you to read your Bible, to pray, is so that you can stay focused on Jesus. Because it is through Jesus that we're saved. It is through Jesus and the Holy Spirit that we have life, that we have victory, and we're living in a world that's trying to make us be focused on anything except Jesus. So the reason we do this is to help you stay focused on Jesus. What does that accomplish? Well, the second purpose is to help the found stay found. Okay, if you're a found lost sheep or a found lost coin or a returned son or even an older brother, the church is here to help you stay in that right relationship with Jesus. So to help the found stay found. But that's not all. That's not the end of it. Then there's another piece. And the third piece is to join Jesus in seeking and saving the lost. Those three things. If we did those three things, we would be accomplishing what the church is here for. Now, I want to spend some time today talking about one of the most important ways we can accomplish these purposes. A lot goes into doing this, but I want to talk specifically about one of the ways, and that is by committing ourselves to the financial support of the farm we're on. Now, there's many things going on here at the Forest Lake Church. And often at the end of the year, you know, we get up here and we talk about the budget and we talk about where we are and what we need to do to make the budget balance at the end of the year. But we don't always follow up with you after the beginning of the year and let you know how that's gone. So I wanted to take some time today to follow up on that and and to give you some context from previous years and then draw some conclusions. Now, We don't normally talk about this. We don't do this every Sabbath. But I do want you to know this is a very spiritual topic. Tithes and offerings are a God-established concept that come from deep in the Old Testament. Proverbs is full of messages about giving and generosity. And and one of the first things that's talked about when we hear about the early church in Acts chapter 2 and 4, one of the things we hear is about how they were giving and sharing and how they were doing life together, even in financial ways. There's a story in Acts chapter 12 where the church in Antioch gets a prophecy that there's going to be a famine in the land. So what's the first thing they do? They take up donations from the church and send it down to Jerusalem. It's a spiritual experience. 
Paul will take collections from Asia Minor and from Greece and he will bring them back with him to Jerusalem. It's part of the spiritual life to contribute to the goodness and the wellness of others. And then we have the story in Philippians about Epaphroditus. The young man who travels to Paul, the reason he came to Paul was he was bringing a gift from the church in Philippi to help Paul sustain his ministry. Paul sends him back because he got sick and nearly died. But this is, this is how in the heart of things donation and giving and sharing is. And that's not to mention Paul's instruction regarding the maintaining of those who serve in the church in 1 Timothy chapter 5. So this is a very spiritual topic and it's very relevant to us. Now here's the thing. We all came to this place today of our own free will. But we came as the result of God calling us and leading us here. And as we come to understand what it means to participate, what it means to be part of the farm, part of the family, we realize that one key element to belonging is to get the hoe out every now and then and help out, right? Sometimes that's physical labor, but sometimes that means contribution as well. One key element of belonging is financial participation. And I would add to that significant financial participation. Now, not to put anybody else on the spot, I'm going to put myself on the spot here and Alicia. So here we are, we're on the spot. The second biggest check that Alicia and I write each month we actually do it in pieces because it comes in different ways. But in total, the second biggest check we write each month, second only to our mortgage, is the one we write to the Forest Lake Church. Our contributions here. I want you to think about your own life. I want you to think about your own budget. What's the biggest thing on your budget? What's the second biggest thing on your budget? Our second biggest item is the contributions we make to this church to tithe, to offering, and to the building fund. Now, typically when I'm up here in front of you, I, for very good reason, say, don't emulate me, all right? Because I don't do a lot of stuff perfectly, all right? But this is one case where I would challenge you and I would say to you, yes, do what we're doing. Because if you would do what we're doing, if everyone was doing just what we're doing, we would never have a single financial challenge in this community ever. But that's enough of this preamble about it. I want to, I want to take you to the data. Now, now, Ken Johnson put a beautiful PowerPoint presentation together for us, and then we got it here, and I realized we only have pro presenter here on our computer. So we had to, to modify it a little bit. So all of his beautiful graphics aren't quite as beautiful as he arranged them initially, but, but it's still pretty awesome. So we appreciate Kent and his hard work. So I want to give you a little overview of last year and where we are right now. So last year, this church returned $4,630,000 in tithe. Now the way tithe works is tithe goes directly to the Florida Conference. And out of that money, comes the salaries of the, of the conference-paid pastors in this church, where there's quite a number of us. So, so our salaries come from that, as well as some monies go to help with, uh, with things at Fleece, with the salaries of teachers, as well as a number of other things within the conference. It serves 
to build up the larger Florida conference. But what you need to understand, and we've said this before, none of those dollars go into the actual operation of this church. So the lights, everything else, none of that money comes from tithe. That comes from church budget. And you know we also right now have our building fund. So last year uh, we saw $1,150,000 given to church budget and $1,180,000 into the building fund. All right, let's go on to the next one. So here's how it breaks up. So you remember when we started here, all those kids up here, that's just kindergarten, okay? There's also first through eighth grade and pre-K going on at Fleece. Our biggest budget item is the subsidy we give to Forest Lake Education Center every year, $530,000. That's our number one budget item, all right? And what it gives us is this, what we saw here, and a whole lot more, all right? That was pretty amazing, wasn't it? That was a wonderful thing. All right, so that's the biggest piece. That's a commitment that this church has had for a long time and continues to have. We're the largest donating contributor within a constituency of other churches that donate as well. Okay, then there's buildings and grounds. The maintaining of this building, the insurance we pay on this building, the keeping up of the grounds, the the maintenance and repairs on the different things, that's the second biggest item in our budget, and it's around $430,000 before the year is done. Then we have administrative costs. That's everybody who works in the office, everybody who does everything to make sure this sanctuary is ready for you and you have the materials you need when you come here. But what that leaves then is really the only cost we have that isn't fixed is the ministry's budget. And right now, based on what we've been giving, last year we had budgeted 110000 for ministries. Now on the one hand, that's a decent number, but on the other hand, if you think about 1.2 million total giving, less than 10% of what we're giving to church budget is actually available at the end of the day for ministry. What ministries? Children's Sabbath school, youth ministries, young adult ministries, just keep going down the list. They've all got a very small piece of the pie, don't they? All right, so we're going to keep going here. We're going to cross out three zeros so the numbers don't look so, so big. That's what it looks like without the, the zeros. All right, so what were our costs? Over the last few years, this is what it cost us in a year to operate the church. So you can see 2016 had a big bump in it. You know what happened that year? Do you remember when we changed out the air conditioning system for the sanctuary? That was that year. And that bumped our costs way up that year. So that's why that's up. But you can see, even without that, there's a general trend. Well, you look at 2019 and you see, wow, 60,000 more than last year. Why that? Well, I'll tell you why that. We are about to significantly expand the square foot area of our church. Once this new lobby is open, once the new children's wing is open, we will have significantly increased our space, which will have utilities cost and which will increase our insurance right there. So even if we do nothing else, that number's going up. That's just going to happen. That's the result of our successful project. So let's go on. Let's see more of this. All right, so, so over the last few years, how did we do in specific church budget giving? Well, 2015, we came up about 70000 short. Now, we found ways to cover and do different things over those different years, but, but that's where we came up. Then the next year, we came up just a little bit short, about 30000 off. Then we were about seventy short. Last year, we came really close. We got within about 10000 We had a very strong November and December, and it got us within about 10000 of our number. But the problem is just going in right there. We already need 
60,000 more than we budgeted last year and 70,000 more than we saw, just right off the top. Now, now here's what happens. Let's go to the next one here. So this is, this is the cost without any ministries on there. So you can see how that's kind of going up and it's going to go up significantly this year. The next one will show you ministry budget. Now, you probably didn't know this, but in order to try to balance our budget, we have been reducing the budgeted dollars we've been putting in the ministries for the last several years. We went from 145 to 135 to 110. We'd like it to be at least 120, but that's what we've had to do. And you might not have noticed, but that's because we've worked hard to try to find ways to not have you notice, but at some point it's not going to work. And here's the thing you need to know about this number. If we do no better this year in church budget giving than we did last year, we won't be able to spend 120 on ministries. In fact, we'll have to cut all ministry budgets by over 60% to balance the budget. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. So let's go on. All right, so here's why it happens. Over time, the subsidy expense goes up. That's, that's a given. Okay, and the second, over time, the overhead goes up, and it's going up specifically this year because we're opening up all this new space. And over time, the ministry trend has been in the opposite direction. We'd like to turn this around. And we think we can, and, and let me tell you why I think we can. All right, so, so if you compare tithe in this church to church budget giving, we tend to give really over the last, since, since I got here in 2011, the, the comparison between tithe and church budget has been local giving was about 25% of tithe. This last year, it was 26%. It's been pretty consistent. For every $4 in tithe, we get $1 to the local church budget. All right, I'll give you a little perspective on that. That's the lowest ratio of any church I've ever pastored. Most of the churches I've pastored get 50% of tithe in local giving. 25% is low. It's surprisingly low. But it's been consistent here for quite a long time. Now, you can see if, if we were at 50%, our local giving would be over $2,300,000 each year. What impact does that have? Well, it has an unbelievable impact on ministries. Let me show you. So, if we stay at 26%, we need that in order to make the budget work. We have $110,000 for ministry. If we just increase it by 4% to just 30, we have $315,000 available for ministry because every one of these dollars is leveraged for ministry. All the other bills are paid. If we actually got to 50, we would have $1.2 million to spend on ministries in this church. It's amazing, isn't it? All right, I want to show you real quick also about the building project. So 9.5 million was the building project total. So far, we've raised $4.15 million of it. If next year is, if this year we're in, it's like last year, we'll raise about another 1.1 million before the end of the year, which means we'll have left over at the beginning of next year, 4 million, 250,000 to pay if everything goes the way it has. Now that sounds like a big number, right? That's less than one year of tithe. That's less than one year of tithe. If, if we gave to these funds in a similar way as we've given to tithe, we could pay for this building and never have a fundraiser. That's the capacity that we have 
within this community. All right, so I wanted to give you that idea, that little overview there. But before we go any further with that, I want to talk to you about one other thing. And that is, who is the Forest Lake Church today? Who are we? I asked Nancy Skinner, our church clerk, to run some data for me. An eight-year span from January 2011 until December 2018, so at the end of last year. I asked her to run numbers on that span. So it's an eight-year span, and and in that time, we had roughly 3,700 members in this church. So one of the things I asked her was, how many members passed away in that eight-year span? 190. That's a big number. Eight years ago, there were potentially 190 people in this room that aren't with us now. That's bigger than some churches. That's almost one every two weeks. That's a big change for a community, isn't it? Well, but that's not all. In that same eight-year span, 955 people transferred out of this church. But at the same time, 1,018 people transferred in. We're not the same people we were eight years ago, are we? It's a very different community. 28% of the membership has joined in the last eight years. Now, people who transfer membership have a tendency to attend church more. The simple reality is if you bother to transfer, you probably are participating, right? A lot of people leave and never transfer, but they don't go anywhere else. So if you transfer, you're more likely to be here. And this is why, do you remember when we did the attendance survey several months ago? One of the things that came out in the attendance survey that we did is that 49%, almost 50% of this congregation, according to that survey, has been attending in this church 10 years or less. So what does it all mean? Well, whether or not we fully understood who we were 10 years ago, I don't know. And frankly, I'm not worried about that. What I'm interested in is who are we now? Who are these people that I love? Okay, so we're looking around, we're saying that to each other, these are the people I love. Who are we? Well, many of you are older brothers. Your long-term, faithful, dependable, generous, and regular in your attendance. Some of you are lost sheep trying to learn how to stay. You got found, you got back, and now you're trying to figure out how to stay a part of the flock. Some of you are lost coins. You, maybe you've woken up, maybe you haven't yet. We're trying to wake you up, trying to help you see. Some of you are newly returned lost sons and daughters living still with the stark and vivid memories of what life was like at rock bottom, when, when you longed to fill your stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. That's what happens to you. Who are you? Some of you are new. You're just like newborns in the house. You're just starting to figure it all out. Who are you? Who are we? And what will we make of life on the farm? So next Sabbath, I'm going to talk about love. But as we end today, I want to key on our shared responsibility to make this farm the finest 
farm in the land. You want, you want the farm to be yeah, kind of breaking down? You want a lot of weeds in the rows? Or do you want this to be an awesome farm? I want this to be the finest farm in the land. And together we can do that. And why would we not? This farm already has the finest people in it, right? You're believers in Jesus. You're chosen by the Father for love and good works. And every one of you is one of the people that I love. We have each other in this place. What do you think happened in the story of the prodigal son? What do you think happened the day after he came home? And the days after he came home. What do you think happened? Jesus doesn't tell us in the story, does it? He just takes it there and leaves it. But here's what I would like to think happened. The older brother forgave the younger brother and loved him. I'd like to think that happened. And then the younger brother jumped right in and started contributing and proved so good at farming that the farm prospered more than ever to the point that the older brother said to the younger brother, I know everything is mine and nothing is yours, but you've done so good and I love you so much, I'm going to give you some of this farm back. I'd like to think that happened. And then everyone around that farm who saw that farm operating came to know that love can heal Forgiveness is real. Lost sheep can be found. Lost coins can wake up. And even no good prodigals can reform and make a difference. And then the father reached the end of his days, a very happy man. That's how I want that story to end. This can be us. But in order for it to happen, older brothers, you're going to have to give the younger ones a chance. You're going to have to be patient with the lost sheep. You're going to have to help the lost coins. You're going to have to welcome back the undeserving lost sons and daughters. But it isn't just the older brothers I have a word for. I have one for you too. You lost sheep and you lost coins and you lost sons and daughters. Here's the word for you. How much longer... Are you going to continue to be the problem? And when are you going to start being part of the solution? How long are you going to live off the generosity and mercy of your older brothers? When are you going to step up and start contributing to the farm? And yes, I mean volunteering. And yes, I mean attending. But particularly today, I'm challenging you to get off the bench when it comes to giving and start really giving in a meaningful way. And when I say meaningful way, I'm talking hundreds, not twenties, okay? Now, again, Alicia and I, Alicia and I both work. She's a professor, I'm a pastor. Not really the most lucrative choices we could have made. But together this year, We will give in tithes and offerings significantly more than $1,000 per month, which is pretty good for our tax bracket, to this church. But here's the deal. 
And I'll let you in on a little secret. As much as we're going to try to do, we won't get anywhere close to Pastor Barbara and Les, who probably together earn less than us, but together give more. You would be a little embarrassed if you knew how high they rank in the order of givers in this church. This is what it means to participate. And I don't just expect it from everyone. Actually, I do. I expect it from everyone, but not just expect it. I say this to you because you need this. The experience you get when the second biggest check you write buys you seemingly nothing will break you of greed. Now let me tell you, there are some incredibly generous people in this church. There are people in this church who last year gave enough money not just to pay my monthly mortgage, gave enough money to pay my whole mortgage. All right? So let us be the bottom line, not the top. This is what it means to be a part, to belong, to participate. So how's it going on the farm? It will be as good as we, by God's grace, make it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. This is the farm I want to live on. See if you like this. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. What if the way we gave brought glory to God? We can be a farm like that. Now, what I said to you might seem a stretch to you right now. You're thinking about your budget. You're thinking where you are. You're thinking about what your second highest payment is. And you're thinking, no way I can get there. All right. Let me say this to you. God is faithful. Trust Him with your tithes and offerings, and you will find a new peace in your life. Let me tell you something about our own experience. Since we've gotten here, everything we've given, we've gotten back more. We've gotten back more. God is faithful. There's a peace that comes from knowing you are truly a participating part, that you are a faithful brother. Okay, not, not older brother, not younger brother, faithful brother. Every one of us can be that. Faithfully working the farm that the Father has given us. And here's, here's the thing about this farm. This farm will keep you and it will keep me in the Father's love 
no matter what trials come. I'm going to make you a guarantee here right now. Every one of you is going to have at least one serious trial this year. It happens. It happens to all of us. But you have this place to keep you. Some of you are overachievers. You're going to have five serious trials this year. But this place will keep you. That's why it's here. And this farm will be here for the lost sheep and the lost coins and the prodigals of every kind who Jesus will call. And by God's grace, faithful sons and daughters will still be tending this farm right up until the day Jesus comes again. Maybe that'll be us. So, I've kind of told you one thing a little bit wrong. I, I said this church belongs to the older brothers. That's not actually true. Church belongs to Jesus. But He has given it to us to steward. What will we do with it? So I want to ask Alicia to come and join me, and we're about to sing our closing hymn. And it's about the state of your heart. The song is, It is well with my soul. Part of it being well with your soul is to be fully committed and a part of the people to which you belong. I pray that's your situation. I want us to be thinking of times that we have sung it when our hearts were breaking, but we were saying, I still trust you, Jesus. And if we can just sing this and lift up and say, thank you for being faithful, help us to be faithful too. Let's stand and sing.
Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen.